My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch to be a comic it's not as easy as we make it look but that's because mutiny radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs strain those improv muscles every sunday from four to six at getting sketchy with david stolowitz Press out those new jokes every Monday, 6 to 8 on Joke Workshop. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to Women's Magazine. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm here in San Francisco's Mission District. I'm Global Val. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It is September 7th, 2018, the glorious month of September, as I like to call it, because we do have our beautiful, wonderful late summer weather here in San Francisco and... It's also my birthday month. So uh, a, a, a little loss of humility there I, I am celebrating, but I am celebrating being alive and I hope that you are as well. Every single day is your birthday. Um, if you wake up, you're a lucky, lucky human being. So, um, you know, take some deep breaths and, and tackle those challenges ahead, um, whatever they may be. So thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we have a big show, big afternoon here at Mutiny, right both here on Women's Magazine magazine and also on the common thread collective we are gearing up and getting ready for tomorrow's rise climate uh, march uh, rise for climate jobs and justice it's happening here in san francisco um, and also around the country and around the world i even heard from my friend dr sill doctor of peace she's down in new zealand and uh, she's going to be um, out in the streets as well, um, standing up for especially like the people of Oceania, um, the low-lying islands in the Pacific Ocean who are kind of the front lines for climate change and rising sea levels. Uh, people who you know are kind of being considered, who are considered uh, the world's kind of first um, or primary, we'll say, um, climate change refugees, at least at this point in, in human history, uh, where we can see it, um, where we can see the that the storm surges come in and uh, decimate uh, communities. And, and what are we going to do about it? Where, where are folks going to go um, after all of these different extreme weather conditions um, literally change the landscape uh, of, of, uh, of, of humanity, of where we are, where we live, uh, our communities, our cultures, and, and everything. Um, so uh, this weekend, Saturday, uh, 10 a.m., you can start gathering down at Embarcadero Plaza by the ferry building at the end of Market Street. And then the march will start at 11 a.m., go up Market Street to Civic Center. There's going to be a huge resource fair there. 
I can't even count how many uh, organizations have come together to uh, put on and collaborate for this march here in San Francisco and throughout California. A lot of the 350.org groups, different chapters around the state. Um, I was I was kind of perusing the list. Obviously, I didn't actually count, but because they were countless, there were so many. I'm I'm a words lady, not a numbers lady, but. Um, Point being, uh, you know, I was kind of trying to surf through and like, you know, sometimes you get, sometimes you see, you know, big events and you're like, who's really sponsoring this? Is there some sort of huge corporate sp- backer that's like just trying to like look good? Um, and and no, uh, <laughs> I didn't see one on there. I didn't detect one. Um, this is all very, very grassroots. So that's exciting as well. Um, also coming up this week in San Francisco is the Global Climate Summit. Um the Global Climate Summit. So there's going to be people from around the world, experts, academics, and such, um, a a curated type of event, um, you know, accredited uh, folks only. Um, But um, it's happening here in San Francisco, uh, September 12th through the 14th. So, you know, this is really a time for the world to engage with one another and and look at our common uh, challenges and try to see how are some different ways uh, that we can address some of the problems of um, environmental degradation um, and the social and political problems that come from all of these things. So um, while it may look like a huge sea of problems, actually, if we can do things, uh, you know, work on on pointed uh, projects here and there, do little things, but also have those masterminds come together, look at these bigger pictures, try to see how we can work as a global society um, to try to address uh, climate change and a host of other a host of other practices that humans have um, erroneously uh, decided were a good idea. Um, a lot of them are mostly for profit, so we can see how um, we may have to change that model um, in order to protect life and make sure that everybody has clean water and clean air to breathe and healthy food. Um, a big recent. Um, you know, these shifts are happening all the time. For example, even Monsanto being um, found uh, culpable for their, um, for for Roundup being carcinogenic and giving somebody cancer. That is a huge uh, court decision um, that can have, you know, ripple effect around the world. Uh, Obviously, we're still dealing with the presence of, you know, chemicals and pesticides and these horrible things that have been manufactured. Um, But, um, you know, every little leaf that we that we uh, turn out can certainly um, bring us to a new space. So I'm hopeful. I think we need to be positive and optimistic. Otherwise, you know, you might as well just go jump in your hole now. Um, but I don't recommend that. So um, stay tuned. We've got I've got a few guests coming in, going to be calling in and, and coming into the studio today as we get ready for the Rise for Climate Jobs and Justice. I'm going to play a little music for you from our sisters, Emma's Revolution. And they have a great song about where we are. And forevermore, peaceful at the surface, and peaceful at the core. All the joy within my heart would be so free to soar, and we're living on a living planet, circling a living star. I don't know where we're going, but I know we're going far. We can change the universe by being who we are. And we're living on a living planet, circling a living star. And if all the world knew justice now and forevermore, justice at the surface and justice at the core, all the joy within my heart. 
We'd be so free to soar And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star I don't know where we're going But I know we're going far We can change the universe By being who we are And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star And if all the world knew freedom now And forevermore Freedom at the surface And freedom at the core All the joy within my heart Would be so free to soar And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star I don't know where we're going But I know we're going far We can change the universe By being who we are And we're living on a living planet People in a bind, unemployment line Promise of relief from the military mines Tell Halliburton, Carlisle, and Moore Empty in the shelves of the company store Who lies? Who dies? Who, dies? Who, pays? Who pays? Who profits? Who lies? Who dies? Who pays? Who profits? Staying out of gangs, trying to be Like a man for freedom lend a hand Join the occupation of an oil-rich land Who lies? Who dies? Who pays? Who profits? Who lies? Who dies? Who pays? Who profits? Gulf Coast Shore, same as before listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val, uh, joined with a few friends today. We've got um, 
Gilda Yazzie, who is visiting with us and, and is going to be jumping into the conversation in a little bit. We've got Mona Lisa Wallace, Esquire, who's sitting here. Green Feminist is her handle. And also on the phone, um, we're very fortunate today to have one of the founders of Idle No More in the Bay Area, um, a, an activist uh, on behalf of the indigenous peoples of the Bay Area, uh, Karina Gould. Um, Karina, are you, can you hear us? Hi, how are you? Oh, we're good. We're good. How are you doing this fine day? I'm good. I'm actually on my way back into the Bay Area from Fresno, but I wanted to make a little correction. I'm not one of the organizers for Indi- uh, for uh, I don't know more San Francisco Bay. Oh, uh, Penny ap- apologies. Plant is the first of that. Yeah. Yes. Her work. I, I knew Penny was. I, I I'm sorry. I I misspoke. Um, but, but you have been instrumental, really, in um, a, a really big action that's been taking place in the Bay Area to save the West Berkeley Shell Mound. And from what, from what, I, from what I understand, there's been a recent victory, um, and I was hoping you could give us an update and a little bit of context about that situation. Sure. Thank you so much for letting me talk about that. So Indian People Organizing for Change is the organization that myself and Donella LaRose started 20 years ago in order to work around protecting the sacred sites of the Bay Area. My ancestors, who are from here, we are a representative of the Confederated Villages of Lashon, one of four tribes that are in the East Bay. Mm. And um, so for the last two and a half years, we've been working to stop a development from happening on the oldest village sites and uh, uh, ceremonial sites of our ancestors. It was the very first place that people in the Bay Area lived and um, had ceremonies and fished in the Bay. And um, this place has been landmarked for, by the city of Berkeley for 20 years. It also um, qualifies for a state historical landmark and a national historical landmark. Two and a half years ago, Blake and Griggs decided that they wanted to put a building on top of it, uh, knowing these things were in fact, true, um, but tried to prove that the, um, that the existence of our sacred site wasn't there. Um, the city, um, after two, about two years, they decided to create a new, um, uh, to take advantage of a new law that went into effect, SB 35. And SB 35 would allow developers to, to um, actually develop on land without going through the process of Sorry. Um, without going through the process of a CEQA. So that means no public commenting would ever happen on it. It would be a ministerial uh, permitting process. Wow. So what? we actually got, we got hundreds of people. We had over, we had over 1,800 people that participated in coming to a, to come to meetings with us, to write letters for us to do multiple things um, to stand with us in prayer at the site for the last two and a half years. And the city of Berkeley, this a couple of days ago, did a second determination that this project was not, uh, um, was not, did not qualify for the SB 35 fast tracking. And um, so for us, that was a big win. The, not only did that happen, but most recent, uh, more recently, was that Blake and Griggs, the developers, backed out of the project altogether. So now it's just the owners of the development, um, Dana Ellsworth and the Spangers family, uh, both own the pro- uh, property at, at 1904 Street. It looks like a parking lot to most people, but to us it's still a sacred site. It remains a place that my ancestors are continue to be buried at, and it's a place where we have connection to and responsibility to um, to uh, offer prayers there and songs there. Um, and so we're really grateful to the city of Berkeley and to our legal team and to those people that stood behind us the entire time and have really worked with us for the last 20 years um, doing this work around the Bay. That's It's really remarkable. Uh, I'm so happy. I was so happy to hear that news um, because I know it has been a struggle. Um, and, and also, um, you're community also has some plans of, of what you'd like to see on that site other than that big old parking lot that's currently there what are some of the what are some of the ideas for um, kind of uh, signifying how sacred that place is 
you know, it's what's really beautiful about the Bay Area and folks that we um, we actually get to meet when doing this is that we had a um, someone come to us during one of those long zoning board meetings, and he said that he would like to support us in creating a different vision for that place and sat down with with us and talked about creating a mound that actually doesn't um, fit into, that doesn't go dig into the ground, that everything was being on top. But there's a structure that is found that could, was hollow and would um, have a spiral that would go all the way up to the top so that people could see the bay, as my ancestors once did on top of those mounds, that would be covered in poppies four months out of the year, so it would blast out this orange um, to daylight strawberry creek that ran across that property at one time to create a space where uh, people could gather in one of our arbors that have not been here in over 200 years and to really talk not only about the past history of Ohlone people on our lands, but the resiliency of us being here, bringing back culture and language and remembering that we have a connection to this land um, and to reconnect people that are now in our territory to these these spaces. And also... Um you, you've also been um, a part of kind of getting some of the land back for the community with the Community Land Trust. Is that, am I right about that? There's a, there's a. Yeah, we've, uh, you're right. Absolutely. We created the first um, indigenous women led land trust in an urban area called the Segorite Land Trust. And the Segorite Land Trust is about reconnecting people back into the land. And because none of our tribes uh, a lot that were Mission Indians along the West Coast are federally recognized, we don't have a place. And really, while doing this work around sacredness and protecting our ancestors and trying to bring them back home from being in these institutions, the, the, you know, the universities hold thousands of our ancestral remains there. But we have nowhere to bring them home to. And so our idea was to bring back uh, find land that we could work with um, and eventually do that um, to reinter our ancestors. But it's also about reengaging people in the land itself and bringing back ceremonial places and spaces so that people um, um, could have that connection and to talk about Ohlone people and what they're doing today. And so we've been blessed to have a piece of property on 105th working in uh, collaboration with Planting Justice to um, take care of a quarter acre of their two acres of land. We're recreating an arbor there um, right now. We took down 48 redwood trees that we will be putting up as an arbor, um, and the community would be welcome to come and talk and listen to stories and um, be a part of that project. We're working with um, folks in West Oakland. Um, we have a long-term lease there with um, a garden project we're working with. Um, Brandy Mack, who does social justice work in the African-American community and resiliency work with African-American young women. We're working with um, some land at the um, uh, Gill Track in Albany at UC Berkeley, mm -hmm. still holds title to, but we're growing our medicines there, and we're hoping to do some other spectacular projects like the West Berkeley Shell Mound um, if we're able to ever be able to um, fully protect it. You know, we won this battle, and the developers went away for this time. But the city of Berkeley really did leave it open to the owners to um, create a new project or open their original project up. So the the entire battle is not completely finished. We still need to protect it. We we beat back this one developer, and that's a great um, historical win. But we need to do more, and we're going to be calling on our allies and accomplices and all of the people that we've worked with for 20 years plus to continue to come and to make sure that the owners do the right thing um, and to allow this piece of land to um, be safe in, per in perpetuity. And if people want to connect with you and get involved, what would be the best way for them to do so? Oh, we have this beautiful uh, website that was created called shellmound.org, and they can find out all about the most current issues and historical issues and look at old maps about um, where the shell mounds were placed there, that all of that was creatively done by allies and accomplices. They can get a hold of us at Segorate, um, 
org, and there's a beautiful website about our land trust there. We have Facebook pages, Save West Berkeley Shell Mound and West Berkeley Shell Mound and Segorite Land Trust. And so all of those places are are great ways to connect with us um, and to and to show up um, and be in community with us. I, I'm really inspired by uh, all of all of those messages, and I know that it is ongoing. Um, but it has been the coming together of community that has made these changes possible, um, this progress possible. Um, we just have a couple more minutes, and then we, uh, Penny Opal Plant is actually giving us a call in just about four minutes from now. But I, I wanted to see. Um, if you have any comments about the uh, rise for for uh, the climate march tomorrow, the rise for climate jobs and justice, and what part um, you'll be playing in that, and and what you uh, what role you see that um, playing in in this greater movement. You know, I think that we. I just left a, a great talk with people talking about solidarity and how we need to cross all these different lines in order to come together to save. Uh, to, to work on projects that we're all working on. I think one of the most important things that we need to work on right now as human beings is saving this planet. Um, we need to work uh, together across all social and economic backgrounds in order for us to do this. I will be um, leading um, the march with other indigenous people um, to put out the word that indigenous people are on the front lines of all of this climate disaster that's happening around the world that we would like to work with communities that um, all over the place to try to come up with better solutions, real solutions, um, not the solutions that politicians are coming up with, but the solutions that are going to actually save our communities. And so that is the, that's the, the storyline that I'm going with, is that indigenous communities have a lot to offer, that we need to get away from fossil fuels. We need to keep all of those things in the ground. We need to keep uranium in the ground, and we need to protect our sacred sites. Karina Gould, thank you so much for calling into Women's Magazine here at MutinyRadio.fm today. I, I really appreciate it, and I hope that in, a, in another time when we have more time that we can expand this conversation and see how far we can take it. I would love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling in and also for all of the work that you do here in the Bay Area. Karina Gould. Thanks so much. All right. We'll see you tomorrow at the March. All right. Well, we're just getting cooking over here at Women's Magazine. Um, right now, I'm, I'm joined in the studio um, by Gilda Yazi, who is on a, from what I understand, a listening tour. Yes, we're, I'm on a listening tour here up in the Bay Area. I'm going to attend the Indigenous events to March tomorrow. And my name is Gilda Yazi, and I'm the Vice President of the National Organization for Women. So what I'm doing, I'm doing a listening tour to reach out to all peoples and just like uh, Karina said we need to all band together we need to find the common issues to fight for common goals to press our agendas forward which are progressive agendas and they also include environmental social justice and that's where I'm very good at issues so I'm here to support everybody Thank you for being here on Women's Magazine today. And I know you came in with Mona Lisa Wallace, who's also part of the National Organization for Women. Um, uh, but Gilda, what are, what, is some of, what are some of the things that you've been, some of the issues that you've been working on uh, these days from in, in you, back home and then if, and nationally? Okay, so what I've been focusing on and this has come down from National Now, is to focus on the midterm elections coming up. So I've been working with a couple different organizations on their um, campaigns. So I've been getting out there, you know, doing campaign work, calling, um, canvassing, going out and meeting people, being an advocate for the candidates. And we have had one success there in New Mexico with Deb Holland. She's a, um, a native woman there who won her primary in New Mexico, district number one. And she will be our first woman, Native American woman in Congress come November because we're going to work that campaign so hard that she is going to win. And my favorite... Um, 
motto that I bring forth from Deb Holland's campaign is, I'm with Deb. So I've been doing that. We've also been working on other issues which involve um, reaching out to indigenous communities to try to get them more involved with the social justice movement to bring forth a vote to change Congress. That's what we really need. We need to get everybody out there to vote. We need to educate them in why we need to vote. We have to vote. We cannot say we can't engage anymore because we learned what happened when we didn't engage the last time around. We need to engage. And I want to try to present that in a holistic way to, to our people. And when you're out, and when you're when you're engaging with the community, um, what are some of the messages that um, I, I'm interested in? Kind of the um, the well, I, I see how people can be resistant to the democratic process because they see the corruption of it. Um, they see a mis you know a lack of representation for a lot of people. <laughs> so, what are some of the things that you're um, suggesting in order to, to kind of activate folks? You know, that is um, a question that I get asked quite frequently, because how do we join with a system that is constantly working against us? And from a native, feminist, social justice background, here I am as one of the very few American Indian Native woman working as vice president at one of the oldest social justice organizations in the United States. I mean, we have 50 years of social activism. And every day fighting back pretty much the world who wants somebody like me, who is an American Indian, not to survive and not to have a voice. That's what I tell them. Look at how I have to fight back every day. That's how my life is, day in and day out. It wouldn't matter if I wasn't in this job working for social justice for the National Organization for Women and trying to encourage particip participation by people of color in social justice and getting out to vote. It's because every day of my life, every day I'm fighting this fight. 24-7, and that's what I try to tell them. Because if I didn't fight, if people like Karina, people like Penny O'Plant, if they didn't fight daily, every day, 24-7, we literally would not be here. Well, I, I, sir, I'm, I'm inspired by you, and I hope, and I would imagine that the people that you interact with are also inspired by you, because I feel like that's, that's leadership, um, to lead by example and, and to encourage others to, um, to step up and, and do what they can. And um, yeah, I, I, I do. I really uh, admire, like, uh, Penny's going to be calling in a few minutes. Um, every time I see her speak, and the, the, whole, the whole crowd's always, you know, gets really energized. Um, because I, I think one of the things that I've noticed um, coming, especially from women and indigenous women, especially as we, as we tackle so many of our issues in this country and the environmental issues around the world, um, is that... Uh, it, it's very, very different from listening to a, a like a, poli a regular kind of trained politician talk where they just say this and that and the other thing. Um, I think that women and indigenous women that I've that I've encountered are really just very direct, and it's kind of like you know, let stop beating around the bush. Let's look at let's look at what's really happening. You know, let's look at communities who are suffering because pipelines want to go through and the laws that govern that state are certainly uh, favoring the big companies that want to be there and want to ignore the people who are living there and the health and the well-being of everybody there. Um, and, and, and I just, you know, it, it's, it's hard to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't really think about that side of things a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm inspired and I, I appreciate that, uh, like all of that. Mona Lisa, thank you for bringing everybody together here today. Hi, Val. 
so glad to be here. Yeah, I feel like I do have something to contribute to the conversation because as we were talking, um, Karina mentioned CEQA and how um, that's the California Environmental Quality Act. And basically that's the rule in California that says before you develop on land, you have to do an environmental impact report. You actually have to study what's happening. And there, there will be hearings where the community can come out and speak for or against a project that um, will impact their community and their environment. So um, we've, uh, I remember um, Gezi Gardens here in Occupy right. of a wonderful community farm that had over 5,000 volunteers who came through there at various times. And they're producing literally tons of produce and creating so much community. And um, Cal um, California's CEQA should, I hate to use the word, but I guess in this sense it matters, uh, it applies, is Trump. <laughs> so California law is supposed to trump city law. Your cities aren't allowed to pass laws that exempt them from state laws. Nevertheless, um, that uh, an exemption like the, um, Karina recently succeeded against um, quashing actually passed here in San Francisco. And so um, a parking lot it can be considered exempt from CEQA because it's a parking lot, right? And so um, Hayes Valley Farm, years before it was um, converted into a community farm, had been parking lot. Right. And it so they got an exemption. Yeah, it was the old on-ramp to the freeway, and then it was just like a big concrete nothing. That's right. And mm -hmm. and um and so what the the sneaky way the the legislators did this is they said, "Oh, well there's a 30-day um, limit for how long the community can complain if there's an exemption passed." And so, well, there wasn't a farm 30 days after, but but a few years after there were birds in the trees and nests and garden everywhere and butterflies and lizards and all sorts of creatures. Yeah, and they had bees. Bees. They had bee farming, uh, like stewardship workshops there. It was a beautiful, beautiful garden. Beautiful. And anyway, no environmental impact report required because they were exempt. And so that's why, you know, sometimes when I do feel a bit jaded and I hear Gilda, you know, Gil and Gilda will tell you, I'm always like, oh, why am I even bothering? Is, does, does democracy even exist? <laughs> but the reality is, is that until we get the, the laws to change and um, the, until we get legislators that actually care um, and that, you know, as we talk about, you know, and it's important to me that we have a vision for what exactly we're looking to change and not just who we put in office. But, um, um, for example, I'd like to, if I just could just read this one short thing. So um, the United Nations Declaration um, on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, and this is something that we could as a nation pass because right now federal law, um, like the, the Ling case in Supreme Court, basically does not... Um, give First Amendment protection to sacred lands, to access to or protection of sacred lands, according mm. to the Supreme Court. So um, if we did change the federal law, then the Supreme Court would have to agree to it. So basically, it is now up to the people to actually legislate a change. And so to adapt, to adopt the, um, the, um, this UN Article 25, I'll just read it to you. Indigenous peoples have the right to maintain and strengthen their distinctive spiritual relationship with their traditionally owned or otherwise occupied and used lands, territories, waters, and coastal seas and other resources, and to uphold their responsibilities to future generations in this regard. That could be a law of this land if we had the will, if we had the political will. So that would be something that... Um if it were a piece of legislation, then it would be. Would it be something that the states would have to ratify, or um, how 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 would that? Uh, what, what what would be the presumed process for for making that the law of the land? Um, just a bill. <laughs> <laughs> just making it a bill and having Remember it signed. That? I do. Uh, I do. And um, so it takes political will. Right. That's what it takes. And and right now it's really difficult to protect sacred lands. And, it, and when we talk about climate justice, it's so vague. Like, what is exactly? What do you mean when you say that? Like, what right. what are we what are we taking to the streets for? And I think we have to have a very specific vision. Like, hey, mm -hmm. let's make a change. Let's actually protect these lands because right now these lands don't have to show, according to the Supreme Court, what's called a compelling interest. They're, 
it, in order to stop the development on these lands, you would constitutionally, you would have to show it was on purpose to harm a religious practice. If you weren't on purpose doing that, but you were on purpose building a highway or a ski slope, a compelling interest is, is, is the standard that, that the federal courts had first had said there exists to protect sacred lands. And now the Supreme Court has said no. Well, years ago, maybe many years ago. Um, I could look up the, the actual case. I have it here. I um, like that where you're going, though, in terms of... Now I'm boring everybody. No, you're talking about you're the not, wing decision. You're, you're not boring. Uh, you're not. <laughs> No, you're tipping, you're tipping people off um, into um, realizing kind of why or, or how um, so many of these uh, environmental and social atrocities happen. 88. Reagan years. Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise. Oh, Gilda just shuddered. I'm <laughs> Well, you know, uh, if I can make one point, this is Gilda Yazi again. You know, when you look at the history of, um, you know, our nation here, and we had the people come here for their freedom of religion, and, you know, when they're stomping on our, our rights here as indigenous people trying to protect our sacred mounds, our sacred burials, our sacred ancestral um, homelands, you know, they, they seem to forget that was the reason they came and invaded our land was... Um, for their freedoms. So that's why we have to be politically involved so we can fight back, so we can pass legislation, so we can be more progressive in our lifestyles, which also includes the environment, but it also includes our civil rights. Well, I think we should take a little bit of a musical break and let everybody digest uh, all of this, uh, all of this information and all of these uh, inspirational ideas. Um, all this, all this geekiness. <laughs> all this geekiness. Well, it's not, you know, more people need to be geeky because um, it's about being smart, and there's, you know, there shouldn't be a stigma against that. Um, you know, I, one of one of my pet peeves is people who don't think critically. Um, and that's part of why I do what I do here uh, on the radio, um, because I want people to know, and I'm obviously not an expert in, in all these different things, but um, in order to, I like to be able to bring voices together, kind of like you're saying, Gilda, on your listening tour, you know, I like to listen, I like to learn, and whoever's out there listening is also learning as well, and hopefully are just, you know, getting getting ideas and, and, and becoming more engaged um, you know, just in your own, in your own mind and your own self and really opening your eyes and looking at the world around you um, and hopefully connecting with, with people as well. So um, let's play a little music here um, so everybody can let that all sink in. Um, and uh, Mona, to Mona Lisa's point, trying to, to realize that, sure, you, you might say, well, why march in the streets? But if there are objectives, if it's about changing the law to protect sacred um, lands and communities, um, that is a concrete objective. Um, so this is not fluff, folks, um, but it is love. So here's a little music from the Troublemakers Union. Um, this song is, I, I like this song, it's called the Anti-Fascist Funk. Whatever. 
All right. You are listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. Uh, on the phone, I have the one of the founders of Idle No More SF Bay Area, Penny Opal Plant. Um, Penny, thank you so much. I know today is a very busy day for you with the big climate march tomorrow. So thank you so much for calling into the show. Oh, you're welcome, Val. Thank you. Well, I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to let people know, um, you know, what the plan is for, well, I mean, we have the details for the march tomorrow, but um, what you see as uh, the role of the march tomorrow and, and some of the other actions that are, that are surrounding it. Yeah, I'm happy to. So this march, um, we've been working on it with other big NGOs and nonprofits here in the Bay Area and the um, People's Climate Movement Coalition, which is a nationwide coalition, for a year on this march. And given that the UN has been meeting for 24 years now on climate, and we're in a position where we have dramatic killer wildfires, floods, killer heat waves, tornadoes, hurricanes, and so on, I think it's pretty safe to say that they haven't done their job. And here in California, we have Governor Jerry Brown, who, while he is considered to be a climate leader by people in the United States and around the world, what we know about him, as especially here, I see Chevron Refinery every day, is that he has increased the permitting for fracking. There are over 200,000 fracking wells. There's over 17% more offshore oil drills that he allowed to be um, drilled under his reign as governor. And he's for cap and trade, which that is a carbon mechanism. It's, it's a capitalist carbon mechanism that really is allowing the fossil fuel industry to continue to disrupt the climate that we need to live. And so this climate action, global climate action summit in San Francisco, which is from September 12th to 14th, is Jerry Brown's baby. He was asked to organized this summit by Christiane Figueres from the United Nations, and there will be leaders here from around the world, as well as corporations and big business here. Mm-hmm. So the, the march is very important. I'm hoping that we have between 50,000 and 100,000 people in the streets, because here in the, in the United States, we have a history of showing that when enough people rise up nonviolently for a specific purpose, that that is the quickest way to change policy. And we really need true climate leadership in this country and around the world. But we live in the United States, and we're here in California. And we need to make sure that as Jerry Brown steps off of being the governor of this state and into the global arena, that he understands that we demand that the cap-and-trade system be demolished and that there is a managed and just transition off of fossil fuels because that, when, that is what needs to happen for my grandson, who's nine years old, and all the babies to come to have a future that's at least similar to the one that we have enjoyed in our lifetimes. So the march tomorrow is going to be beautiful with a lot of art, a lot of songs. There's two moments where that they're calling it a unifying moment. Throughout the march will be song leaders. And then when we get to Moscone Center, I mean, excuse me, to the Civic Center, we will be participating in making one of the largest street mules murals the world has ever seen. Over 40 murals that have been adopted and crafted and designed by nonprofit groups and community groups from all over the country, including tribes and indigenous people, that will be lifting up our messages what we consider to be important, those of us along the refinery corridor here in the Bay, our sisters and brothers in the Amazon, um, California Indians, uh, rancherias that are suffering from the wildfires, as well as other groups like Poder in San Francisco and um, the California Environmental Justice Alliance and so on. So it's it's just going to be really great. And bring your kids, you know, it's a family-friendly event. Bring your kids, bring your strollers, bring your grandmas and grandpas, like my husband and I are grandma and grandpa, and, um, and it'll be fabulous. And then on Monday and Thursday, people will have an opportunity to lift their voices in a different way. Um, the Governor's Climate Forest Task Force is meeting at 55 Park Hotel in San Francisco beginning Monday the 10th. 
Well, we're going to be there to greet them with a big mural and a um, and speakers in the streets, and we're going to shut down the street and um, the street to make the mural. And everybody's invited. We're we're also going to make sure that they know that we're there. And then on Thursday, there or on the thirteenth, there's another opportunity at Moscone Center and Yerba Buena Gardens to really lift up the voices of the people who know how to live on the ground, you know, the people that that are growing their gardens, the people that are installing tiny homes on reservations and reserves, the people that are installing solar um, panels as an alternative fuel source instead of using coal and fossil fuels and, you know, all the things that are harming what we need to live. So for more information about the 10th and the 13th, you can go to againstcapitalism.org. And for all of the other events, you can go to um, Soul to Soul um, at the ittakesroots.org website. There's also a whole day on the 11th of uh, Soul to Soul Solidarity to Solutions Summit in San Francisco at La Raza Park. So much going on, Penny. I'm, I'm so it's <laughs> so much happening. Um, um, and also the the Green Film Festival is going to be happening uh, sat tomorrow Saturday uh, over at F- Fort Mason, um, and I'll, I'll I'll announce more about that later. Um, now we do have we do have just a couple more minutes here, and if you could just I I, I feel like some people don't really understand why cap and trade is kind of a, a, a ruse. Um, could you could you kind of lay it out sure. for us? Thanks. I sure can. So what it does is it allows the fossil fuel industry to purchase what they call carbon carbon credits. And carbon credits are like imagine renting a forest in another place. The forests are already cleaning the air and sequestering carbon as they have been doing for millions of years. So it's a shell game in the regard that that the fossil fuel industry buys these carbon trading credits that allows them to continue to um, emit greenhouse gases and, to- and pollution, in, like where I live. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's not a solution because it doesn't manage a shutdown of the fossil fuel industry, which is the number one cause of climate disruption. It's a way for the capitalist model to continue and the wealthy to become wealthier at the expense of people at the extraction sites, along the pipeline routes, and in communities like mine, where we're, there are five oil refineries here along the Northeast Bay. And the rates of asthma in these communities among children is about three to one. And if you had a red line that, or a red marker and wanted to make dots, of cancer clusters, it would just be a fat red line from Richmond all the way to Martinez. So it, it doesn't do what we need to do. It allows the fossil fuel industry to continue. Was that clear enough? Absolutely. Thank you for, for laying that out because it, it, I feel yeah, like okay. it is kind of a confusing concept for some. Um, well, they try to make it confusing. They want people to be confusing, confused about this. They want to be out, come out and say, well, you just don't understand this. Well, I understand it perfectly well. It allows the fossil fuel industry to continue that industry that's causing climate disruptions that's killing people around the world at the expense of the people in the southern hemisphere that had very little to do with causing climate change. It's a rigged system that needs to be stopped for us all to continue. Penny Oboplant, thank you so much for calling, and it's an honor to speak with you today. I look forward to seeing you out there at the Climate March tomorrow here in San Francisco. Uh, I have word from people as far away as New Zealand who said they're going to be out in the streets as well in solidarity. Um, So thank you so much, and I hope we can continue this conversation another time and stretch our legs a little bit more because I know you have a lot more to say. Um, But thank you so much. You're welcome, Val. Nice talking to you. You too. Hope to see you tomorrow as well as thousands and thousands of other folks. Absolutely. And perhaps at one of the new moon uh, ceremonies from the uh, Indigenous Women of the Americas, uh, Defenders of Mother Earth Treaty. Right. And there's going to be one on Sunday night at uh, Cupid's Row, right there on the Embarcadero near um, Folsom, I think. Folsom. 
and Howard. Oh, right. The, right on the Embarcadero. The, the big uh, yeah, arrow, uh, bow and arrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sunday we're evening. We're going to be there at 7 a.m. on Sunday evening because, lucky for us, that's the new moon. Thank you so much. Well, we'll we'll You're welcome. we'll, we'll sp- continue to spread the word. Thank you for all the work that you do, and I appreciate you calling in on this busy day. Yeah, thanks, Val. All care. right, we'll connect again Bye-bye. soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, folks, uh, you have been listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I want to give a big thanks to all of my guests who are here today. Gilda Yazzie, the Vice President of the National Organization for Women, uh, 